This is Kent Clothier. If you are looking to improve your life, improve your business, and just get it all together, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Time Is Now podcast. What is up? Sorry, buddy. Doing good. How about you? I'm dude. This I I I am I am ready. I have a pretty open Friday. I'm shooting a, um, actually working on a, a PowerPoint slide for a kind of like helping people like what's next, kind of more like a, as an owner discussion, how to learn some financial fluency and be able to really look to really take advantage of coming out of something like this. So I'm starting to change my discussion from like grab the money that's available to you and like, all right, now that you're taking a deep breath, what are you going to do to reposition parts of your business? And how do you have the right kind of fluency to like know what you're looking at, like looking at your business while also looking ahead. And this only happens every 10, 12, 15 years to people. So this isn't something we would normally be going through all the time. So I'm starting to put a few of those together right you now. Wanted, you want, I would love to, to get into some of that right now if you want to. Yeah, let's do it. I actually think that's the right subject for all of our people to be hearing now. I think we've been hearing um, actually, very interesting. Like, if you're into PR, you'll see that the media outlets are not leading with bleeding. They need goodwill, hope stories right now. There's been enough bleed and lead stuff. Right. And so, as a result of that, that's a good cue for us as influencers to now realize that people need direction and kind of what, what's the right process to take. We've been sitting in this lament of like being stuck by being struck. And so, I think it's time for guys like you and I to start shepherding people down a path and that's this what i'm talking about oh i love it dude i love this all right it's good uh, to see your ugly mug you too man you too all right i'm gonna get my, screw it i'm just gonna go live <laughs> the worst that can happen what's the worst that can happen we'll just do it as a replay i also play it to my crew and people and stuff i just want people to keep hearing what we're, we're all and i encourage us to keep start talking about these things yeah i mean dude i mean i jumped out quick to get as much like what you're talking about for thinking uh, people on uh, and in front of this audience. I mean, I started this group and had zero, right? It got to grew to 6,000 people like that. Um, Cause I just, to me, you had one or two choices. Either there was a vacuum of no information or the only information that was out there was just to your point, which was just a bunch of nonsense that wasn't really informative or helpful to anybody. It was meant to just scare the ever living shit out of them. Right. And I'm like, look, there, there's got to be more to this, right? And so um, I, I, I've been pretty frustrated. I was pretty frustrated with my industry in particular because a lot of people that, you know, were acting like thought leaders are now, you know, they just kind of evaporated. And I'm like, what? I don't understand. Like, it was, you know, last week you were all big swinging dick. A month ago you were showing the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris and the airplanes. And now when people need you, you're gone. Yeah. And, um, you know, as one of my favorite Warren Buffett sayings is that, you know, when the tide rolls out, you get to see who's been swimming naked the whole time. And that's kind of what, what that's the way I felt about it is like, man, there's a lot of people out there that were just completely full of shit. And so in the absence of real information, fuck it, I'll step up, I'll go do it. And so had 33 people on in 10 days and it was pretty, pretty hardcore, but it was, yeah, uh, I, I, that stuff you've been doing is amazing. It was and good. Man. It was really echo good. on top of that, you know, I love it. You've fallen into a, a you've, you've answered the call because, you know, 60 days from now, people are going to wake up and look back at what they did to help people through this time. And the either, you know, there's a, for me, you know how important my faith is to me, but there's this piece of scripture that talks about 
know, people will lead. Some will lead out of selfish ambitions. Others will do out of the purest hope to help people not to like, persecute and to uh, be lost. Well, that's exposing right now. Amen, brother. It's unbelievable. That is exactly what, the way I feel about it, right? I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you get to figure out real quick how, where, and, and look, for me, it is what it is. I, I mean, it just as natural as it comes to you, it's, it comes to me as, you know, just as natural, just the way, way we were raised and the way we are in our own businesses and our own lives. It doesn't make us always right, but it doesn't make us afraid of stepping out in front. And I got so, a guy in my life who's a um, chief of a, like a fire department. And he said, it's funny when someone goes through fire school, there's a natural equivalent to a guy who runs into a fire and a guy who runs out. And so it, you'll find out very quickly, the first second you get a little burned, whether you're a guy who runs into the fire or a guy who runs out. And I think you said something earlier, it was really intriguing to me. In the absence of leadership, any people will follow anyone. Right. So in the gap, Real leaders will run in, even if they don't have it with great humility all figured out, they're willing to not let everyone perish. They're right. going to run in instead right. of run out. And in the, that tide analogy you had, I loved it because um, I think a lot of people are running out. They, they actually weren't in it for real leadership. They were in it for acquisition or accomplishment, shine a light on themselves. So for me, if the light on me is greater than the light coming out of me, I'm going to have a problem in bad times. That's exactly right, brother. 100%. I could not have said it any better than that. And you're watching it happen. And, I, and, and you know what? People, in some cases, a good friend of ours, Hubert, said to me, you know what? People have a short memory. They'll forget all this and they'll go back to following, you know, some stuff that looks fake. I'm like, that's probably true, but that doesn't mean we have to be those guys during this time. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you and I, um, part, of, part of that common thread that's, that's made us so close over the years, I mean, I give... I tell the story of you kind of dragging me to Haiti all the time, right? Like I had a mentor in my life that I had no idea why I was being uh, called to go do this, but he made a point of making sure that it happened. And I've been so unbelievably grateful for that ever since. And it, it, it kind of echoes exactly what you're talking about is that with certain people, um, whether it's the way they were raised, whether it's their faith, whether it's, you know, their wisdom over the years, having been in business so long right now, they're figuring out, you know, you figure out, who the real leaders are, leaders are and who were, quite frankly, the posers. And it doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them like they just don't have the experience. You know, part of the benefit that I've got and certainly that you've got is that, you know, this isn't my first rodeo. I, I, I've, I've been knocked around a few times, right? I've, ha I've got all the scars to prove it. And so... Those little gray hairs on your beard. Yeah, little gray hairs on my chin now, right? I mean, I look right. like I... I mean, I look like... Um, you know, I, I've just been here. And so it, it feels a lot more comfortable for me to run in than probably a lot of other people just like you because they've just never been in this kind of situation. They're, they're wrapping their arms around their business and trying to hold on to everything they've got versus really thinking about, you know, um, man, this is a time for me to step up and not only, again, when there's no voices or there's just a noise, you know, the loudest voice and the most uh, wise voice is what people need to hear right now. So let me introduce you real quick. I'm joined by my very good friend, Mr. Benny Fisher here. He's a guy that, um, you know, as you may have, if you got on early, you kind of heard us just talking about. He's a guy that, that countless times over the years I have, I have leaned on. Uh, our, we've got a great friendship, but he is somebody that uh, also is, is got a, a wealth of knowledge and experience in a lot of different areas, whether that is in uh, just generally running businesses, coaching CEOs, has an extensive background in accounting and being an attorney and, you know, again, running very, very successful, large operations, acquisitions, mergers, 
uh, exits. I mean, you name it, this guy has kind of gone through all of it over the years, which I think is, like, I, like we were just saying, is, is extremely valuable in times like these, is to be able to tap into somebody who has got, the, has got to, the scars to prove that he's been there, done that, and clearly understands kind of maybe what the best actions are right now versus people that, you know, are just trying to kind of guess and figure it out. So, Vinny, I'm glad you're here, brother. Hey, yo, Kent, really, thanks a lot for having me. I just want to, for anyone who's got their video on, I wanted to show them, give them perspective of what we're talking about today, okay? We're talking about this. The world is closed. This is a picture of the earth with a closed sign over top of it. And the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, Kent is really old and we should respect our elders. But for the really old people, this is probably like a third cycle. And so when I look back at my third cycle through this, the first bad one, I was just a late teenager in the late 80s when we really went through a mess. So I was massively immature in any ability to kind of see through it. The second time we went through this, and, and really your industry, Kent, went through a big time in 08, 09. And during that time, I was at some of my biggest accomplishments as a businessman, but I actually lacked something during that phase that I want to really talk with everyone about today. And that was really financial fluency and how to actually look at a business and what to do with the situation we're in. And here we are in our third run. And I want to remind everybody that the world has been closed. Like, I don't know how to tell you other than like, take a look at that picture. So if people tell you they have it all figured out, be careful. You might be following down a wrong path. I think with great humility, we have to say, okay, we can learn from things from the past, but things changed. 31 days ago, the way you look at your business completely changed. And if you don't recognize that, then you're still stuck. Earlier, Kent, you and I were talking about this idea of like a fireman and that there's a, they find out very quickly in student school, whether you're someone who runs into or out of a fire. But interestingly, most people who are in the fire they don't actually flee the home. They huddle into a ball in a room. And so when you look at people who are sheep versus shepherds, people follow, but they huddle into a ball in a room. And someone has to go into that fire and pull them out of it. So run that through what's going on. 31 days ago, we actually honestly all huddled into a ball. We're like, okay, what's going on? This is crazy. And I actually saw this in our space in e-commerce. For about seven days, the consumer was frozen. Sales were down, direct-to-consumer was even, like there was a little of unease. And about seven days later, direct-to-consumer started really popping again. But there were, everybody froze. Yep. Well, depending on where you're at, that, that time of freezing has extended longer. People have stayed huddled in the room. Well, here we are 30 plus days later. And I would say that this is time as a business leader for us to look at our business look at it, it is a forced time to focus on what works and what doesn't work in our business, and now to sit here and look forward. Well, if I look back at the second cycle of 0809, I actually lacked some financial maturity as a businessman to look in in order to be able to look out. And so you gave me an accolade that I'm like good in accounting. No, I built a fractional CFO company because I'm not good at it. Fair I actually enough. am not qualified to work in any position in our company. And I'm thankful that Fully Accountable is filled with a whole, filled with a whole bunch of great CFO and staff accountants who are. But buddy, I didn't have the financial fluency. And but for the journey of them and going through it, I wonder what this cycle of business would have been but for that. And so what 
here we are, we're huddled in the room. It's time you as an owner, leader of your business, wherever you resonate with, whether you're just a realtor, just is a word that doesn't belong. If you're a realtor or you're an owner, entrepreneur, solopreneur, business, like there's words that you resonate with. Well, you are at the front of the room and people are looking to you and what to do with your business. In some circumstances, you're in a room that where you just lead yourself. In other circumstances, you're in a room where you lead other people. Well, it's time to honestly assess 31 days ago what happened to your business, be able to have enough financial fluency, or let's help you if you don't, look at it, and how to actually be positioned to take advantage of what's going to be next. Because some of our favorite people that you and I follow, like Warren Buffett and others, they're, they're like, wait a minute. The people who are going to thrive out of this position correctly by taking an accurate assessment of the assets they have and what they need to change in order to thrive and go from the position they're at to either seven or eight figures or wherever is their next journey piece. That doesn't happen by staying huddled in the room. No doubt, brother. I love that. I love that. Hey, real quick, just by virtue of, you know, a little bit, tell people a little bit about your background so people understand kind of, you know, some of the stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, why, why you, I mean, clearly we understand, you know, what your experience has been through these, the, the, the three cycles, but kind of talk to a little bit about some of the stuff that you've done over the years. Yeah. So, um, you know, first and foremost, I've been married for 25 years. So the idea of working through that endurance, you know, there's a saying that says, you know, you have, um, long days and quick years and I'll tell you, it's marriage. Yep. There could be some very long days and it's an endurance race. And so I think that's actually the thing I'm the most proud of is that we've been able to fight through the long days and have short years. And we've made it to 25 of those. We have four beautiful children. Um, I started out my career as an M&A lawyer with a tax designation. And so I was involved with lots of fancy transactions. Well, I learned where I live here in Akron, Ohio, a lot of my business uh, client stuff what would have been family businesses that ranged anywhere from like three to 30 million in revenue. And so very quickly I learned how to actually operate companies. And I found out an entrepreneurial spirit I had inside myself because I was being made decisions like how to hire, build, deal with process structure. And by the way, I want to be very clear. You're talking to a think around the corner, visionary hippie who is not organized, who doesn't have a lot of structure but I know some things about myself. Well, through all that process, I met a whiz-bang internet kid, Mark, who you and I are both dear friends with, and he introduced me to the internet, late 06, early 07, and he said, I, I, you know, I work on the internet. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, domain name. I'm like, what's that? I had no clue of the internet, late 06, early. He came to me as needing help with corporate and client and stuff. Well, very quickly, I fell in love with the internet. And through a series of very interesting circumstances that happened in his businesses, I became his business partner in late 07 and been on this internet run ever since. Our first business, we grew up to $100 million in revenue together, sold off our information business to one of our vendors, made some money, lost a bunch of the rest of it by them kind of screwing some of that up and our transaction structure the way it was. So then we opened up a hosting company and blew that thing up. And we were the we were the poster child of the affiliate world and having a lot of fun with that. Well, I tragically broke that in my arrogance, handed off, thought we were thought I, it was beyond my lever pulling that I had built a mature organization. As soon as I stepped away, the thing fell apart. Um, what could have been a really great transaction, we sold off for parts. 
And so that was a wonderful joy that I ended up writing a book about. <laughs> then I opened up a, a health supplement company that we had a really good run in and we sold it, but we were only able to sell it because during the end of it is when I built the first version of Fully Accountable in 2014. And I fixed and identified my major problem of being the leader of a business and not being acutely aware of some of the things that are important to the operation of a business. And I realized that the language of finance was foreign to me and that I was afraid of terms that I didn't know. So I would just avoid them. And what I would do and what I still do to this day is I serve the false God of gross revenue. I think that gross revenue solves all problems for me. And I, when I, one day I woke up and I realized, holy crap, it's what I have left, not how much I bring in. I know that might sound sophomoric to a lot of you, but it had to hit me. And it was that day that like things changed for me. And so, you know, that's me. I'm that guy. And so today I sit here and own a, a company that provides fractional CFO services. I also own part of a, three other companies. I, I'm a business investor. I believe in only now running one business, but I actually believe in investing and growing active companies. That's the run I'm on. I will continue to be on that run. I will probably be now taking this exact same advice I'm giving in eating my own dog food. And I hope through this run to add a few more to the arsenal in my active, I build my wealth in active operating businesses. I don't play the equities market. I dabble a little bit in real estate, but I don't play there either. I live in active operations of businesses. And so I serve as the chairman of the board of three other companies that I own parts of. And I am the CEO and founder of Fully Accountable that I operate that through this run is also going to be another eight-figure business that we've built. There you go. I love it. Here's my commercial. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's kind of get into some of the meat of this, brother. Let's All right, talk let me ask about- you a question. Do you know what the average profit margin of a business is in America? Less than 10%. You're close. 11% is the average margin that a business makes. Now here, why, why do I want to start out all of our discussion with that is because if you didn't know the answer to that question, it starts you down this road of understanding, are you fluent enough about the things in business as it relates to you operating one? Like where do you sit in the type of business that you run and what's the industry average of the type of margin should be expected from your business? So back to the story of the um, hosting company we owned. I'll pick on that one. I'll pick on anyone's one. I'm an open book. We, were, we, we thought we were running on a 5% profit plus margin. We had so much cash coming in. We found out later that we were running at a 5% negative margin. That oh. thing eventually came to be a very ugly mess at the end, which is why we broke it. It wasn't a bad offer. Take that same exact example into our health supplement company. We were profiting about 8% margin. When I actually started to realize we should have been profiting at about 20%. That's the standard of that type of model we built. So quickly for me, it was no longer that I was profiting 8%, is that I was losing 12% of my margin every month to something. So as a leader, I'm like, wait a minute, where am I losing 12%? Why am I losing 12%? And sadly, more than 80% of companies blow their cash flow because they're not correctly aligned to their profit margin. So here's a good one. I'll ask you another big one. What's the average net worth of all of our friends that they have tied up in their companies? Oh, I would say the vast majority of it. 84% of every business owner's net worth is tied up in their business. Now, here's what's interesting. 
we talked about this category of 1%, the 1%ers. You could be like me in a very broke one percenter or all the way at the top and you got guys like Warren Buffett in the top of the 1%. But we all sit in the 1% category. Here's a fun question. How many people in the 1% don't own a business? I, I would say don't own a business. It's got, I, I actually, I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't know if I can even give you a guess. I mean, because you've got these guys at the very top that I guess in theory they own some part of a business. So I would think they all own a business. Zero. Statistically less than a tenth of a percent are in the top 1% category and are not a business owner. So it's everybody. So when you actually then take the net worth score against the 1% world, if you add the top of the 1% world into our world, that 84% of net worth goes down to 65%. Oh, wow. That's a really interesting fact to know. And the reason I wanted to say that is our buddy, Ryan Dice, hit me in the face once with something pretty good. He's like, I'm convinced that most of us opened a business because we learned how to sell something or we saw a gap. We didn't sign up to be a businessman. And I'm like, crap, that stat, I believe, exposes that fact. Yep. And so what do I want you to do with that? I want us to realize that we were huddled in a ball for over the last 30 days. Some of us Maybe we went down a little bit in revenue. Some of us, if we're in direct-to-consumer, are going up. But things have changed. What might what have sold at one point isn't. In the reality world, everyone's sitting around like, all right, when's the next shoe going to drop? Are my May rents going to pay? And if my May rents pay, all right, cool. I'm going to make it on a bank call. What's my balance sheet look like? Holy crap, do I even know what a balance sheet is? Am I afraid that like the bank's going to come and call on my debt and I don't have enough cash to withstand the next ripple? I get what's going on in everyone's heads. We're all, all kind of in a ball a little bit right now. And I'd say of all the stuff I started talking to you about, if you don't have basic financial fluency, then you're actually not really, you need to honestly say to yourself with great humility that maybe this is a great time to work on my business and me and operating one and get, I can no longer hide behind just being a clever marketer. It's changed. And the strong ones are going to get much stronger out of this. And there's going to be a great opportunity for the ones who can double down on this part of it are going to, you know, you know, I'll give you another fun. Did you know percentage of billionaires when they're the most creative out of recessions, out of recessions, 70% of billionaires are created out of recessions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe that. I mean, hell, I look at my own net worth, my own businesses, everything. It came it exploded after the last recession, right? I mean, that's where, that's where the, I mean, I just happened to be in a place where it made a lot of sense what I was doing and what I was teaching. And as you know, you, you were right there kind of watching it happen. I mean, my businesses just took off because of this. Yeah, and so what can a baby one percenter learn from the big one percenters? Because right. you gotta stop this idea of saying that we're not in this one percent category. We just have such a massive gap between me and Warren Buffett. Right. And so instead of like sitting there living in that gap, like I'm a loser, I'm still in the 1% of the world. Right. Let's have some perspective, folks. Like as we sit huddled in our own little ball, are you part of the 20 or 30% of people who are unemployed and are like, have no real actionable opportunities in their life? So take a deep breath and let's look at what we can do with what we have. With much is given, much is expected. And so when I look at, wealth building opportunities. The number one you have is to look at the profit margin of your business. 
If it's way under, then what can I do to fix that way under? Immediately take a snapshot of your business. Where is it leaking? Right now, a wartime CEO should immediately stop all leaking buckets that aren't necessary. Problem is, if you're not looking or know what to look at, you lack enough financial fluency to know which finger to stick in which hole. And so I, I was reading a great Harvard study by your, your pal Roland Frazier put up recently. That's kind of a thing to look at. So I dove into that entire Harvard Business Review study, which I highly recommend, and we can get it to everybody if they want it. What's interesting, do you know what the number one job that's cut in every company during a correction? Marketing. Uh, that's actually number two. But it, it, this number one is so much ahead of number two, it's double. Sales. Crazy, isn't it? Sales. So you're going to watch right now. If you've been having a hot problem hiring a salesperson, go stick your ad up. I promise you, you're going to have no problem getting interviews. Now, what's interesting is companies that first cut their sales and their marketing are 84% more likely to not come out of the correction. Right. Yeah, we've been talking about that phenomenon. It, it, that is definitely something that I, I witnessed firsthand uh, in the last recession. And, and it's, I, I've never forgot it. Just seared it into my brain, watching all of my competitors contract on marketing, can effectively starving their business, right? At the worst yeah. possible time. Uh, and how many of them, you know, I paid very close attention, how many people that I respected and I loved and I thought were amazing. And to me, they were the gods of an industry and boom, gone overnight, right? And, um, and then, you know, and I've asked myself many times over the years, what did I do different? Well, I just happened to be really, you know, dialed in on my marketing and dialed in on who my customer was and the pivots that I had made, you know, it all worked the way I wanted it to work. So that's literally the kind of advice I've been given to everybody out here right now. Whatever you do, do not stop marketing. Do not stop transacting. Keep buying and selling. Keep marketing. Don't turn off the faucet because it's a, it's a death. Okay. Death so let's point. go back to why I brought that up. And so I think you're spot on. I want to make sure I, everyone heard me. I a hundred percent endorse what Ken just said with two disclaimers. One back to why Good, smart people are cutting sales and marketing because there's a recessive mindset to cut what you think you don't need and keep what you think you do need. So first thing you have to deal with is the mindset of cutting correctly. So those businesses, I don't think they went out to want to hurt their companies. No, 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 no. They just, to your point, they didn't understand the math. They didn't understand the numbers. They didn't understand all the, all the, the right levers to pull. They, were, they thought they were being productive, but they were actually killing themselves. And so then the other part of that is in this, this advice that you're lovingly giving to our community, don't stop marketing and sales. I want you to know one thing. It's about going deeper, not wider right now. There's a bunch of dudes who are thinking, I'm going to go take ground by guessing on an unproven channel for myself. And they're going to go blow money trying to take ground. And they don't even know if it's ground they're supposed to be taking. We are seeing this with clients where there are places that they should obviously go get more keyword or buy a couple, in your case, maybe, maybe go buy a short sale apartment building or you name the animal. But the idea that you're going to go add a new category or a new spot is where, where there's this false gold. The guys are, are spreading themselves thin. And if any one thing goes wrong, if the furnace breaks in the house, they have run themselves into cash flow death on the way of coming out of this thing. So it's about deeper, something that's proven, where you have the cash flow to take advantage. I think like a war. Do you have the forces to take the ground? If you don't, 
then be careful. Maybe you're better off sticking back a little bit. You know, they say that Napoleon probably would have been successful in Russia had he waited until spring. But he sent his forces out in winter and totally exhausted his uh, food chain line. Russia came in behind and cut off his food and starved his men to death. He was completely the superior leader who went too far. It's true in correction stuff. And some of that's financial fluency. So here's what I want. I only want you to have enough financial fluency to one, recognize the holes in your business. Two, to be able to do napkin math to make good decisions. I'm not asking you to be a CFO. I'm asking you to recognize that there's a language in business that's called finance that helps you make wise, mature decisions so that you can be ready to recognize what the market wants, respond, and be correct about it. I'll tell you, one time I was watching a, a Shark Tank with Deb and we're on the couch and I'm all fired up mad at this guy because he's getting hammered by fellow Kent Sharkinians about why he, his thing. And he's not answering any good questions about his business. And I'm like, good night, man. You've had months to prepare for this. Why are you at? And it occur, Debbie says, well, that's you. And I'm like, shut up, woman. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, but she was right. I didn't have basic napkin math about my own company. Like I didn't know the profit margin. I didn't understand how long a customer sticks around. I didn't really understand the true math of what it costs to acquire the customer, let alone how much I'm actually spending to acquire the customer. These are basic things that actually told on me. It didn't, it wasn't like it, it suddenly, I needed to go memorize all those, but there's four or five KPIs, critical indicators that are true to every industry. I'm not talking about no basic ones that everyone should know. I'm saying if your business is in real estate, let's just pick on one. It's the amount of, of default rate vis-a-vis rent payments. If you're in that game and you don't know the basic answer of yours, then, then this is not a time for you to go, well, someone else does that. I don't worry about that. It's an indicator to tell you that you aren't close enough to some of the key things that are important in your business. It's a time to actually be aware of, you ever like, I've done this so many times, that's why I can lovingly say it. I'm doing 5 million this year, but I'm going to do 50 next year. How many times does your like marketing plan look like that kind of comment? We're like, you know what? We're just going to crush it. That's another indicator that you're living in this like unrealistic reality to your business. And so what I would do is retreat to go get sales. I would just go get sales. And I wouldn't, and in my health, in my, in my hosting company, I went and got more sales only to bleed to death faster. Because right. I didn't know which parts I should do. So when I look now, huddled in a ball 31 days ago, and I look at my business, I'll, be, I'll use Fully Accountable right now. I looked at Fully. We're a fractional CFO company. But during a time of abundance, as we were dealing with clients, the number one objection is clients wanted their own staff in their building. But as that kind of goes away now that, one, there is nobody inside buildings, and two, the, the cost to have your own staff – is a luxury item with some inefficiency. Now people want experts at a fraction of the cost. So before I was marketing all four of the things we do. Now, literally now I'm saying we're a fractional CFO and people are like, right, because they want access to an expert for a cheaper cost. So I went and looked at my business. I said, wait a minute, the message before of, of competing with the staff accountant and the data analyst and all that was important because I was trying to argue this entire office and right. overcome why our to deal with the objections better. and overwhelm them. Yeah, I get it. Now everyone's biggest problem is they're afraid of what step to take. They don't know if they have the right expertise at the expert level or the cash. 
So I'm just like, yeah, we're fractional CFOs. People are like, oh my gosh, all the other objections are handled 31 days ago because the market changed. Right. So you need to look at your business and what's happened. Like what's happened in your company and what can you do first and foremost to quiet the noise? Look at some people you respect in this space. Take a look at your company. What really are some dents in it that you can redeem during this time and fix and stop and not spend that money? And then honestly look at what ground you can take because the guys that look at their seven-figure company and are getting what I'm saying are going to go to eight figures way faster and they're not going to miss this opportunity. That's why I was excited to talk to you because yeah. they don't, this, this is the issue. This is the core issue right here. Yeah. So let's talk about, so, you know, we've got a lot of people, a lot of different varied backgrounds here, but let's just talk to you specifically. You got the guy or girl out there that again, they're hearing you, me, they're hearing others talk about that. Hey, this is a time to kind of uh, circle the wagons a little bit, get your, get your house in order, clean up your, your balance sheet, clean up your books, uh, take care of some inefficiencies in your business. You know, if you need to, you know, the stuff that you just, we've all, we're all guilty of it, by the way. Um, that you've just kind of turned a blind eye to because you're too busy or whatever the case may be, but it has been slowly bleeding you clean up all that stuff. And then equally make sure that you are focusing on what the real opportunities are. And, and again, marketing, like you talked about changing your message, marketing more to go deeper into client relationships and extract or produce more value for them and ultimately for the company here. Right? So that's, I mean, that's the huge narrative here, right? Okay. And so what I'm telling uh, our people here, specifically in real estate, is that, okay, so as you're doing this cleanup, whatever you do, do not um, entertain the idea that somehow you're going to just kind of wait it out. I'm just going to take this wait and see approach. I'm just going to kind of sit back and see where it all lands. Talk about how dangerous that really is right now, because you and I, I mean, I know we both know this to be true, but there's a lot of people that in the in all of the noise and all of this there it's it's probably a little more even confusing to them than it has to be and so therefore their natural tendency is like well let's let's just, just see what happens maybe the government's going to do x maybe the government's going to do y the sba loans coming out the ppp's coming eidl hearing all this shit getting thrown around and the reality of it is is that they have a responsibility to do what they need to do so i i really like to kind of dive on that a little bit here brother yeah that's really good um so here we sit right we're like sheep being led to the slaughter without a shepherd like, we don't know. Like, well, do we wait? Do we, like, let the government get the authority of being our shepherd? Or do we, like, really grab this thing a hold? I'll, I'll use a great example. I was speaking to somebody um, in the real estate industry, and they have a realty company, in addition to some others, where they do, like, you know, they sell real estate, right? And um, they, they, right now, they're having a really hard time having showings because they, you know, people are afraid of this invisible enemy. And so very quickly, what I think a lot of realtors are doing is they started doing some version of iPad virtual 360 tours, and that's kind of version one. But in our discussion, I found out that she had a call center that provided appointment setting. And so I said to her, okay, cool. Who does that serve? She said, just us. It's like our competitive advantage. I go, oh, interesting. Was that, how long ago was that set up? She said, X amount of months ago. How's that going now? Well, our showings are down. I go, would you ever consider offering that to others beyond your own organization? No. Like, why not? She's like, well, 
it's competitive. I don't want them to have our scripts. I go, but can't I just call the center now, set up an appointment and have them do the script on me and hit the record button and have the script? Well, yeah, that's true. I go, so I could get reverse engineer everything you're doing right now, right? And she's like, yes. I so has it ever occurred to you that maybe that's a really amazing asset you have that you're going to offer to other people and you might get a look at other brokerages and what they're doing and you might have a bigger perspective. And I literally watched the light bulb go on where she's like, holy crap, maybe my brokerage is going to build my little side companies faster than actually my brokerage is going to be my thing. And so that is an example of where she should, she was sitting still just waiting and going to wait to kind of launch out, I guess, franchises or whatever plan it is that she had to grow her own little side companies. And I love what Roland Frazier saying. I love what you've been saying. I like the guess you have on. Wait a minute. Why don't you take some of that ground? You know, the big companies all do business with each other. You know how many parts in this phone are either Google or Microsoft in nature. And this is an Apple phone. Like it's crazy to me. I read a good book once called, um, the Hard Thing About Hard Things it was written by Stu Horowitz. And during, a, I think it's Stu, maybe I'm missing his first name wrong. Okay, regardless of that. But he's one of those Silicon Valley guys. But good news, he's not one of those fake ones. He's like, he's really had business. And so it's really great. He's lived in the real world like the rest of us. And so he, he went through a massive disaster and got all his people together. And as a wartime CEO, he was talking about, okay, hey, listen, all hands on deck. What are we doing to get through this? Are you signing up for this awful stuff we have to do? And quite honestly, he was able to separate the wheat from the chaff. Yep. He was able to say, wait a minute. And then he, the, the chafe, he was able to say, hey, why don't you come meet with me? You're not going to make it on our team. We're going to do it without you. And it's funny. I don't know if you saw that a study was just released um, by, I think, Darden Company or one of those big companies that own Olive Garden that, that restaurants that staff a little understaff are actually – stronger companies than the ones that are overstaffed because they're harder workers, the people that want to be there, they're producing a better product. That's true in your company. Right now, if you've got people where you're feeling this burden to keep them on payroll, but they don't belong on your team, the least compassionate thing you can do is keep them on your team. Because if you're just keeping them to pay them something, sadly, they're better off collecting unemployment right now than they are being on your team. Right. They are. Now, what, let's get back to your question. What do you do to take advantage of this? Look at the parts of your business. I have to put a rant out, Ken. Can I put a rant out real quick before I go forward? The word pivot is so awfully used incorrectly. Let's just use basketball, a famous place where the word pivot is used. In order to have a pivot correctly, I used to be a basketball coach. That's why I like to pick on basketball. In order to have a pivot correctly, one foot has to stay still. And you look around and you change your perspective. If you completely move both feet, you're traveling. Sadly, in our space, real estate, internet, e-commerce, we use pivot like traveling. We want to completely do something different. Pivot, correctly used, is you as the leader of your company, keep a foot still and look around. And how can you change the perspective of what your business is doing without traveling? So many dudes. And ladies, I use dudes in the business owner sense, are going to actually give up and not have the stomach to fight through this. And that's what's going to give you the ground to cover. This is what I'm talking about where like, right now, during correction, consolidation is one of the greatest ways to advance. 
It's not go do some brand new business. It's to take advantage of the, of the shave of on the fall off the wheat. And so maybe you go get another brokerage or maybe you wait a, a month or so and the bad balance sheet that has good income coming in is going to get called on their multi-unit apartment complex. And you and your, a few of your investor buddies come in in July and buy it. Mm-hmm. And you're ready because your balance sheet looks good. And you start cleaning up stuff. That's getting ready. Start making phone calls to every multi-unit owner right now because for the last three years, everyone's been cheering, buy multi-unit, fix it up, and let's refinance it. Well, guess what, folks? For a period of time, lending is gone. And guess what's going to happen for a period of time? This theory of you having a crappy balance sheet, thinking you're going to refinance your apartment, that party's gone. So if you don't have a strong balance sheet, your relationship to the bank come about August is going to get way different. No doubt. So there might be some deals in play. So what do you do during that time? I don't know. Go fix up a few of the flips you've been ignoring. Maybe go like, like clean up some of the crap where you're not doing the management company well. Like introspect fix and start dreaming. Look at guys, I'll be honest with you. I am dreaming about what I want to do to my company. I believe that I'm going to own, I already have a third party emailer. I already own a, a, a part of a health company. I believe that I'm going to set up a call center, a merchant processor, and an affiliate network. Why? Because these are natural extensions all around my life. And now I'm going to go look for ones that need massive correction or have good income but an awful balance sheet, and I'm going to be ready to execute. But I'm thinking about what I want to do. I'm not saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to close my company. I'm going to go become an education person because it looks like everyone else is doing courses. How hilarious that pre-08, everyone was in the consulting game. 08 comes and courses become the thing. And as we get better, high ticket coaching becomes a thing. We're repeating the same behavior all over again. Here we are. Everyone's like, you got to do education courses, low ticket, low ticket, low ticket, get your course out there. And then that's how you're going to come out of this. And then the Justin Brooks of the world are going, uh, this has been going on forever. Like this is what's happening. And so you know how many more real estate education guys are going to pop up because they have a crappy balance sheet because their, their assets are suddenly going to be in a lot of trouble to the extent they were even an asset if they're heavily leveraged. Look at our friend, even though maybe he's making up some drama for the marketplace. I wouldn't know if I call him a friend, but look at a thought leader in, in our space, Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. regardless of what drama you accept by his lack of leadership, look what's happening to him right now. Right. Leverage is a bitch. Yep. It's an, 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 an leverage is leverage like that. Like that is a, an evil mistress, baby. Um, and so a lot of us, Kent, I'm actually going to dive hard into real estate as soon as this first 90 days gets cleaned up. Cause right. I think there's going to be some stuff to buy. No I doubt. Think that have been running hard on their balance sheet. Listen, I want to be fair to you if you're one of those guys. The government shut off. The entire world closed. Okay? I, I know that. You didn't, you were banking on if come, not income. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a booger. This is what the world looks like. Okay? I get it. But the reality is, in a free market society, that happens. I don't think real estate's the intended consequence of this correction. I actually think consumerism is the consequence of this correction. Unfortunately, 
because the money in the pocket of the consumer drives lagging indicators like paying rent and things like that, I think there's going to be a little higher default rate than people realize in the real estate space. And if you don't have enough margin to actually handle going from like 8% default on your rents to like 24% for a period of time, those, I think the people who lack the cash and the exposure in their balance sheet are in some trouble, which means there's going to be some deals out there. That's just getting ready to say, which means there's opportunity so that if you sit now and get your own, you know, take, take advantage of the opportunity to clean up your own uh, messes. And I don't mean mess in a negative way. I just mean like we all have, work, we all have negative. work to do. Yeah, they are negatives, Ken. They are. They are real messes. And I think a mature leader says, okay, I've got some messes. I got to clean those up. Exactly. But, I mean, it is what it is. You're exactly right. My point being is that we all have them, right? Not, there's not a, a single business leader that is running a perfect company. They, we all have challenges in our businesses. That the point of it is, is get it addressed, get it cleaned up, get yourself in a position. These types of uh, trainings like this and others that we have done that kind of get you on the right path versus the people that are sitting over, like you were talking about, sitting over, huddled up, not doing shit, don't understand the, what, what's coming down the line, clearly don't understand kind of, they're not, they're not doing anything to try to uh, do, you know, again, clean up anything. And at some level, like we said, I mean, leverage is an, is an evil mistress. At some level, there's going to be some, a day of reckoning for some businesses out there, whether it's in cash flow, whether it's in ugly balance sheets, whether whatever it is, both in real estate, real, unrelated to real estate. I mean, dude, I'm already getting them, right? I mean, we've had, we've had two acquisition opportunities land in our lap in the last seven days, right? It's part of the reason why I've been on some of these, these lives. And businesses that, to the outside world, you know, everybody, uh, for a long time, they've been humming along. Well, all of a sudden, yeah. now, they're, they're, you know, now they're calling. Like, oh, shit, yeah. we're, we're, in pro- we're in trouble, right? We could use your help. I um, had one of these this morning, Ken. Yeah, I mean, so I'm it's on the phone with a guy that I legit could consider buying this business. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I got two really good, I mean, I would be honored to own their business, right? I know I could bring value to it. I know there's some cleanup that's got to happen. I know it would work, I mean, to your, you know, like the diagram you just showed, there's no natural conflict. It's a natural, you know, part of our ecosystem that we kind of are all trying to talk to the same customers and that, you know, if I acquire one customer in one in one vertical, I can literally monetize them around, right? So all kinds of really cool things like that. But the Interesting. difference is, is I'm in a situation to where, we can actually do that kind of stuff. And everybody watching this could equally be in a very similar situation. And that's just, while you were talking, two things jumped right at my heart. Just like I was giving you advice about financial fluency, it's an indicator. It just, it's giving you, if you start getting defensive, then defensive is just an indicator that there's something you need to work on. So in this particular discussion Ken's having right now, your story and your cash, if your story is so small, it's, it's about why did this happen to me instead of what can I do with it? I would encourage you, you need to flip it. What can I do with what's happening versus why did this happen to me? Because if your story is small about you, you're going to have a really hard time breaking through all the other noise to go and take advantage of the things. That's really and then the good. other thing is your cash. You hear people, maybe you were one of them, where you say, oh, I, you know, the people who have money are going to make money. Listen, money's out there. And if you can go and take advantage of stuff and look at good opportunities, that just because the banks are going to tighten up on leverage doesn't mean that there isn't cash available for good deals. Well, yeah, let, let, let's, let's talk about that for a second, right? Because one of the things, because I think it's, you said it and you literally just about, you said 
something I had Ed Milad, a, a friend of mine, on a couple weeks or a few days ago. He made a very, very similar comment. And so this is twice now we've had people say this, and I just want everybody to pick up on it because people do get trapped, right? Believing, oh, I've got to have money. Always. Well, no. You know, one of the things we talk about continually in all of our education here and literally how we kind of built our entire company here is that we didn't have the money. But what we knew how to do is we knew how to go and find the people that did. And we knew how to study and understand the psychology of what they wanted to accomplish with that money. And we were smart enough to help them do that, which by bringing value to them, it brought value to us. So again, what Ed was talking about is like, dude, I'm a CEO. I'm running, you know, I'm running a nine figure business. I don't, I, and I have to pay more attention than I ever have, right? Because of this, that's just the name of the game right now. Yep. It's like, but don't kid yourself. I have a lot of money and there's going to be a lot of deals out there in real estate. And I would love nothing more than to somebody to bring me a smoking deal all day long where I can take advantage of it without thinking. And you basically said the exact same thing. But if you, are you one of those people? Give me a call. I'll kick the tires with you. Right. There's and money. So my point of it is, is you don't need money to, to bring value to people that do. And guess what happens out of that transaction? Now you have money. That's right. I mean, it's not that, it's not that difficult. So that is an extremely dangerous place. Again, to your other point, you're making just a second ago, if you're playing in that victim mentality and why did this happen to me, instead of looking at all the opportunities that are out there, I mean, money wants to find a way to get into the market and take advantage of Amen. opportunities. Amen. And so if you play a victim, you're going to have a really hard time of taking advantage of the opportunity. And so when I get caught up in wise, listen, we're all human. We all have crappy moments and days. But when I start having a small story about why this happened to me, I very quickly recognize that, hand it over and start focusing on bigger things like, all right, what am I going to do with this? And start recognizing language and head talk that's awful. And I'll tell you, even like that happens to all of us, guys. Please know that you, you don't figure this out once. This is like a daily event. No doubt. Like everyone, you know, when you realize as an entrepreneur, I read a good book by uh, Phil Knight. He made a great uh, shoe dog and he made a good comment in there. He goes, once you realize you're getting it is when you wake up every day that you have the privilege to solve the new problem in the company. Thank God these are my problems. You know, I talk, by, by, by the way, Vinny, I talk about that a lot of time. This is perfectly relatable because you know, a lot of people that, that are just joining don't realize that you were the one that pulled me down to go to Haiti, right? Yeah. But that, was the, that changed that whole conversation in my head, by the way, because I use that continually where I, I basically say to myself, anytime that I'm struggling, because to your point, we all do. I'm like, thank God these are the problems I get to solve. Thank God these are my problems. Think of those kids and those women and those people down in Haiti and how different their problems are, right? How primal their problems. I mean, it's pure, unadulterated survival, period, right? And I'm, my big problem is, well, how the hell am I going to protect my multi-million dollar business and my home on the, on the water? And how am I, I mean, seriously, this is my problem, right? And for most people here that are watching this, your problem is that you live in an amazing place at an amazing time where, yes, there are challenges in the market right now, but you actually have an opportunity to do something about them, right? Whether it's technology or automation or thought leaders. I mean, you have so much access to information, you know, stuff like this is free now or whether it's YouTube videos or Instagram or social media. I mean, you can quite literally get access to thought leaders and get information in an instant and use tools and automation and these types of things to further your business and further your life so fast. How dare you sit around and play woe is me? Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, it, what, 
to really meet you where you're at, if you're somebody who's sitting there with all of that stuff Kent just described, one of the most loving things we could, we could give you advice about, I hear Kent say this all the time, start putting language to the things you're thankful for. Like say it out loud so that your brain can hear the things you're thankful about. And if you can't come up with any, call me because you're in a dark place and I want to hear from you. But if you start coming up with things, I'm thankful that I don't have cancer today. I'm thankful that like I could go for a walk. I'm thankful that my house isn't being foreclosed. I'm like, start just out loud, truly things you're thankful for. And I'm telling you, you will start to feel the weight of the world come off you a little bit because it gives you perspective. And it's from that shift that you're able to actually start looking at the story beyond the weight on you. And it goes from there. And that's a, by the way, yesterday when the SBA announced it ran out of money, I got my ass kicked. Like clients were calling somehow they think we're either Congress or like we're the bank. And like, why didn't we get our money faster? Like, we're in line. I have to tell you, like, like it's going to, I can't imagine Congress won't fund. I just think there's going to be a lot of politics involved in what's going to get in this next piece. I think the money's coming for everyone who's wondering, but I think it's going to be political in nature this next round. And so, sorry, but I got my teeth kicked in. All I want to do is open a bottle of wine and call it a night at four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And I just started being like, wait a minute, people are calling me for guidance we have lots of people on my team getting their teeth kicked in and people are upset. Well, you know what? That's a privileged place to be in because we have people that are calling. And so I just started like turning it and then I call a buddy and I have another thing and just start mouthing out how much I'm thankful that my wife is like, we're in this together and we're working through stuff. And my kids heard me on financial shutdown because we're going to be good stewards and show everyone else how to come out of this. And all that just started coming out. All the next thing you know, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. It's not that bad. Let's take the gun out of the mouth. Right. So, dude, you know, here, kind of wrapping it up, let's put a bow on this a little bit and kind of bring it all together and, and kind of talk about, you know, the main points that we've covered here and what we'd want people to walk yep. away from. I would love it. I would love it if three things came out of this for you. One, as a leader, that you have enough business intelligence or you recognize the lack of your business intelligence in order to properly assess your business. And if you come back with a grade that's a, a poor grade, that you don't suddenly try to solve it. You try to find ways to get things to solve that problem so that you can correctly assess your business. Financial fluency is not something people have. It's something like anything else. You learn how to copyright. You learn how to do stuff. It's an activity you have to go through. So that's one. Two, I actually think that all of us have to go through a reset in our mind. 31 days ago, the world changed the way it's going to do business. It changed fast. Typically, corrections come in a little slower, and they come out a little slower. This was thrust upon us in a month or 60-day time. Like everything just changed. And that's going to require you to look differently at what you're going to do with it. And be honest during that look differently. If it doesn't work coming off the other side, it's okay to let something sit. You don't have to keep chasing your old money. Something can sit. And then the final thing is actually have an attitude of wanting to take ground. If that means you're know, going deeper in sales and marketing, then do that. Take some of the stimulus money and fill in the positions that we're missing. Take some risk. If that means, whoa, 
I've been wanting to try something, well then go out and go after it. And if you don't have the money or you don't have the, the access, raise your hand, because I guarantee in your network, if you're listening to Kent, it's right at your fingertips. You've just been hiding under this shame of doing it yourself. Well, 31 days ago, that changed. If you do those three things, I'm telling you, you are going to have massive ground that you're going to take and you're going to be on a good run and you're going to be able to help a whole bunch of people. Dude, I love it. I love it. I'm so grateful, one, for you to be, you know, for us to be friends and, and somebody that I, again, I've always been able to count on, but two, for taking the time out and doing this t today, dude. I mean, if people want to get in touch with you, want to find you, what do they, how, do, how can they do that? I'm very accessible on all the social footprints. It's Vinny Fisher, V-I-N-N-I-E Fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R. You can also get us at fullyaccountable.com. You just go in there, hit us at We Care. Hey, by the way, on the stimulus stuff, if you have a question and you're not our client, it's fine. My team volunteer, just go to WeCare at FullyAccountable.com. And if you're not sure how to navigate, just ask the question. We're answering them. We want people to be helped during this. We don't want to wake up 60 days from now and not be able to have helped. So we're, you can get us in so many ways. And really, I've had tons of people reach out. And, and I'm responding, and we're responding, and we're helping. It's amazing, dude. Amazing. Thanks for coming on here, brother. Give your family my love. We'll talk soon. See ya. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't gotten signed up yet with one of our award-winning products, I would invite you to go to reww.com. Check it out. Whether you're looking for advice on entrepreneurship, you're just looking for access to our Real Estate Investing Academy, whether you want to attend one of our upcoming live events, everything you need is right there. Plenty of videos, plenty of free training, plenty of access to software and tools that will help you to become a really successful real estate investor. Again, everything is right on the site at reww.com. You can also check us out at campclothier.com.